Gilman Scholars, this is your captain speaking. Get ready for takeoff. afternoon or evening listeners thanks for joining me for another episode of the a gilman podcast it's me your host sarah murray and i have to be honest with you all i am not much of a hot weather fan or person um, but it's still great to celebrate the official start of summer with this episode debuting now feel free to pause this episode to make sure that you're following the gilman scholarship on social media and that you are subscribed to the a gilman podcast once you're done with all of that, please make sure to come back. As with international tourism, slowly going back into full swing, an international exchange hopefully close behind, I wanted to invite Gilman alumna, newly certified yoga instructor, current master's candidate at Emory University, Harriet Brown, to join me for this month's episode. She's going to share some stories with us about her process and experience traveling and learning about disabilities, as well as tell us more about how she created her own travel group, Anasi Travels, but also expect much, much more. Welcome to the podcast, Harriet. Hello. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Um, again, my name is Harriet Brown. I am from Lawrence, Kansas, and I am currently um, at Emory University studying public health. And um, also I'm running my small business called Anansi Travels. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for having you, me on the show. I'm really excited. <laughs> Thank, thanks for agreeing to join me. Now, we have a lot to get to today. But first and foremost, I think it's really important for us to talk about your experience um, learning and going on exchange as a student um, with learning disabilities. Well, first of all, were you hesitant at all prior to traveling and prior to receiving the Gilman Scholarship? Like, what, what made you nervous? And did anything about the idea of going to school in another country with learning disabilities specifically scare you more than anything else? Yes. So I studied abroad, what, 2010? Um, and I had this amazing, I got Gilman scholarships, which was an amazing experience. And I was really excited, but really nervous at the same time. And um, I also have dyslexia and a learning disability. So that was also really nerve wracking going to a different country to seeing how I'll be able to manage. Um, also being in school, um, I studied anthropology and African studies and Spanish um, when I went to the Dominican Republic, but just my degrees in general. And I think I've been studying Spanish for about four years prior to that. And being the Dominican Republic, being immersed in the language, I was able to actually grasp Spanish a little bit more. And that just kind of taught me how I learned in general. Um, my school actually provided me a lot of assistance in um, being able to get, um, being able to get um, assistance with my learning disability, like extended time, um, extra help on my assignments. So I was really able to, be able to perform quite well. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was good. It was good. It was <laughs> difficult in terms of just being in a different area. This was the first time me leaving um, my small town in Kansas for a long time. So just going to Dominican Republic and again, um, really nervous about how am I going to cope with having a learning disability, um, but also to just being immersed in a different area. But I just found myself really able to um, do the work and just be around Spanish every single day, like hearing somebody talk on the street. So I really encourage actually people who do have any form of um, learning disability like I have to be able to go and not let 
um, your disability at all scare you at all because you're able to really find a different way of learning. And it just kind of taught me about how I learned in, in general as well. So we're actually fairly similar in a few ways. I actually had the opportunity to go on exchange and I also was going abroad and learning abroad with learning disabilities myself. And I, I'd love to know, because for myself, I had to approach not only applying for similar scholarships to Gilman to help fund my exchange, but also I had to approach the idea of being on exchange in a, an entirely different school system, a little differently than I think the average student would have to. What did you have to do or how did you approach exchange differently than the average student you would say in order to ensure the best chances of academic success for yourself or even social, social um, adjustments as well? Exactly. Um, I use my resources. I asked my advisor, the study abroad advisor constantly um, going to different meetings, just asking so many different questions and applying to like so many different scholarships as well too, because I really want to have this experience as well with myself. So Mm -hmm. um, I just really was really active and had the opportunity to have a really good like advisor um, at University of Kansas just to help me um, just approach it differently. So definitely my approach was I was just using all my resources. I was applying for scholarships, asking my advisors um, for support and just asking my teachers, but different, differently for sure than average student because I was doing a lot more, but it was, it really paid off. Um, I really feel like just accessing my resources just helped me in general in so many different ways um, to succeed and want to travel more in general. Well, that's always the hope is that we hope that the Gilman Scholarship gives students um, the the travel bug if this was their first time traveling and gets them excited about the process of traveling continuously throughout their lifetimes. And I mean, you seem like you were incredibly organized during your university and you kind of have to be when you're not only just going on exchange point blank at the gate, but also when you're having to do all these extra steps to make sure that as a student with learning disabilities, you are giving yourself the best chance to, to set yourself up for success. Do you have any tips or recommendations on how students that do have to take those several extra steps, how can they better plan? How can they be better organized so that while they're doing all these extra preparations, they aren't stressing them out, <laughs> stressing themselves out to a level that um, may be challenging to manage for some? Honestly, ask questions. Talk to people in the disability services resource section or your advisors or your professors, students who studied abroad before. Just ask, um, you know, Gilman Award also do provide a lot of information out about studying abroad, but really, really just do your homework. And it's fun, you know, just seeing how you can access all these different information and how your um, study abroad experience can be even better. So I just really, really encourage you to ask and have fun with it as well too. And not getting overwhelmed with it and just like plan with it. Um, Just take it step by step, but really, really um, make sure you ask. It becomes fun as well too. So yes. (laughs) I appreciate that. Balance is important, most definitely. (laughs) Now I want to get into a bit more about what drew you specifically to the Dominican Republic. So what about that host institution that you attended really attracted you there as the best country for you to expand on your studies? And could you dive us a bit more into what was involved in you selecting the courses that you enrolled in while in DR? My degree from University of Kansas is um, Anthropology and African Studies. And I was really interested in understanding how the diaspora was able to connect to their African roots 
And um, I also wanted to learn Spanish too. So I was able to connect all three, to be able to learn Spanish, to be able to just see how Dominicans um, were able to, again, to connect to their African roots, which was uh, amazing. I was able to see how you can see their African roots through food, through dance, through even the way they talked. It was so, yeah, it was amazing. But also too, like um, my experience in the Dominican Republic, I had the opportunity to volunteer um, at a health clinic as well too. So that was also kind of expanded my views on public health, um, which is my field now. Just opened my eyes on different health systems, how other countries and other cultures, um, you know, take care of their, their, their citizens. So it just really opened my eyes. Very cool. So how did you think your studies in the Dominican Republic afforded you a new sort of more globalized perspective on the healthcare system in America, or even how how the diaspora of the Dominican Republic and the diversity there, how does how does how do those systems play within themselves in a comparison to how the diversity of the United States sometimes can play to itself there as well? Um, Dominican Republic is a beautiful, beautiful country, but um, just witnessing different healthcare systems. Um, just the ability of having access. That was a huge, huge eye-opener. While in the U.S., you know, if something was to happen, seriously, there is ambulance that would get to you, you know, in a good time period. But in Dominican Republic, I realized that there were some disparities and some disconnect towards that. But also, too, just um, in terms of the approach mm. of medicine as well, too. So I just witnessed a lot of different things. And just, again, like, it opened my eyes on how health, mm is can be seen in different ways and forms like also to understanding how your health is also connected to your culture um how your culture can affect your health in different ways and forms how you talk to somebody how you do different things um just really open my uh, perspective again to want to go further into understanding how um countries that might not be not have access to health how we can expand that but also learning from dominican republic and other um quote-unquote developing countries and how we can bring that to the United States too. So just witnessing a lot of different disparities in the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. just opened my eyes like this is the field I want to be in. That's incredibly interesting, that point about how culture can impact how the healthcare systems are, are formed. Uh, I would love to know, if, if you can answer this question, it's totally okay if you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any, are you able to, seeing how culture has an impact on the healthcare system in DR, um, do you see any similar structures of how the culture of the U.S. impacts how we manage or structure our healthcare systems? Yeah, one thing that I noticed is just like in the DR, it was more of a holistic approach. Um, they kind of focused mm-hmm. on the individual in whole, like where you're living, um, just asking different questions. Um, while in the U.S., the approach is not necessarily the same thing as like kind of focusing on the symptoms, like the issue that you have at hand, not focusing on the whole person. So that's one of the things that I, mm. I saw with my eyes, like, oh, that's interesting how um, that approach was different. But that was just in my, um, you know, short time period that I was there also too. No, most definitely. I was generally just curious. It's always, it's, it's always exciting to learn, especially as someone who also studied, um, I also studied anthropology mm. and sociology in university. And so 
I won't. Yeah, twins. Um, I always loved. <laughs> yes. I, um, it, it really shows how how a, how an individual society or community's culture impacts much larger structures um, at mm-hmm. large. So that's why I was just asking, curious there. Now, how has oh, um, <laughs> how has the perspective that you were able to gain abroad on behalf of the Gilman Scholarship impacted your specific approach to the current master's program you are enrolled in at Emory University? Also, congrats, by the way, that's super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so again, just um, just witnessing different public health systems um, that opened my eyes into actually want to go further into understanding how other healthcare systems operate as well, too. So um, from this experience, I was at the experience to do work in Uganda. And again, I worked in a public health setting, um, educating youth about different um, sex care practices, then also led me to come to Ghana and Senegal, again, working with just different forms of public health initiatives. Um, so it just was an eye opener, just like, you know, witnessing how other healthcare systems work and actually seeing it um, just really opened my eyes like, okay, how can I be involved in this and not necessarily have I, I kind of before when I went to the Dominican Republic, I had this approach that I was going to save save Dominican Republic in a sense, which is really, really backwards. But going there made me realize I really need to learn and understand and study, then be able to be a part of the puzzle opposed to this approach of I'm going to come and save the world and just kind of this perspective. So I, what was it? It was... Um, 2010 was the same year Haiti had the earthquake and a lot of Haitians from um, um, a lot of Haitians came actually to the Dominican Republic. And I remember telling one of a volunteer there like, oh, I want to go to Haiti and like save Haiti. And this student person came up to me and was like, how can you say that? What skills do you have? Do you speak Creole? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I was like, no, but I have the heart to, you know, and that just opened up my eyes. Like the person's like, well, what is that going to really do? Do you have, you know, so that just kind of opened my mind that, okay, I need to get more skills and understanding different cultures, health systems, and just really learn opposed to having this perspective I'm going to save these developing countries, but why, like, why are you saying that you need to really understand the system? So that kind of, um, opened my, you know, just provided steps to wanting to get my master's in public health and to see how I can, you know, be a part of the puzzle or also learn and continue to learn. Now, now we also cannot forget to talk about Anasi Travels, which is a, which is a, <laughs> a group nonprofit that um, you started aimed to to break the stereotypes about Ghana and the continent of Africa at large. So, and you also, while you grew up in Kansas, from my understanding, um, and mm-hmm. but your parents are from Ghana. Um, and now I first want to know, I'm because I'm really curious: is there a large Ghanaian community in the Midwest and Kansas specifically? <laughs> There's four of us, my brother, my <gasps> mom, and my dad. No, I'm just kidding. You're kidding. A, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. There's 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 a small, you know, when I was growing up, um, there was a small population, but um in Kansas, I'm from a, the university town, Lawrence, there's a slow mm-hmm. population kind of growing there. Then also in Kansas City, which is the next major city next to us that has a good population growing, but there really wasn't. So that's why I always say like there was four, my brother, my mom, and my dad and me. So um, no, there isn't at all. 
Well, so I can imagine then even more. So, I mean, yes, I can, I can think of several reasons why it could be beneficial to have people who are not from that community to have a chance to go and visit Africa and visit Ghana specifically. But what does it mean to you to be able to, with Anasi Travels that we'll talk, that we'll talk in for about in just a moment, but what does it mean for you to not only get a chance to take people who are not from that same background to your, to your home country, essentially. Um, but then also having a chance to, to see Ghana through their eyes when you actually grew up here um, yeah, in the United so, States. So um, my parents, again, are from Ghana, West Africa. And just growing up in Kansas, I was always kind of like an ambassador of Ghana. You know, I was always telling people how <laughs> I was it's always kind of defending Ghana, like how amazing it is and how beautiful it is. And people just did not believe me. So I'm like, no, it is. It's home. There's mangoes. There's sun all the time. Like, um, it's just <laughs> paradise. Paradise you know? sounds like <laughs> the perspective of, you know, Ghana and Africa was so negative on the TV um, and just not a really holistic perspective of Africa, you know, and I really um, wanted to educate people mm-hmm. on that. Um, so that's how I started Anansi Travels was just like kind of bit by bit um, and wanting to take high school students, college students um, to Ghana. Um, I also take young professionals also to experience the culture of Ghana, just having a different eyesight of it. And just knowing that Ghana is in Africa in general is so much more than what we see on TV that to understand like, why is the state, like, why is Africa in the state it is right now? You know, so many different resources from chocolate, coffee, people have all been like dispersed from Africa. So, you know, understanding that state, yeah. Also understanding the state of like Africa didn't yes. just turn like that just because um, a lot of like, actually the whole world has a contribute factor of why Africa it is the way it is, but not only focusing on, you know, the hardship that Africa has gone through, but also look at the beauty. What opportunities or what sort of mutual, mutual benefits do you hope the exposure to Africa or even Ghana specifically will create or open up for the young professionals, high school and college students? And how will in turn this also benefit the community of Ghana specifically, as well as the continent mm-hmm. of Africa at large? Yeah. Um, so Anansi travels comes from the tree word, which is a Ghanaian dialect, um, Anansi, which is spider. And um when we're growing up, we all kind of sit by a campfire and hear Anansi's stories. And Anansi's stories just kind of give us lessons um, of life that our parents are telling us. Um, it's kind of a folklore story. So that's where Anansi um, travels kind of comes from. So really what we're trying to do from that is just creating a web of experiences for students to be able to travel, educate and learn and kind of derive lessons, life lessons that they can take and go out um and the world you know um for me being able to go to different countries have taught me has taught me so many different things how to see people differently understand um different perspectives hear people try different things so that's exactly what we're trying to do with a nazi travels is just creating a web of experiences and using um a nazi the spider as a way to educate other people about that I kind of want to sign up myself now. <laughs> now, do you have any final words of encouragement for other students with disabilities who 
have a desire, a dream to study or just honestly just travel abroad in general, but are unsure if they will be successful? Yeah, I just really like do it. I feel like when you have a different way of learning, you're just like, we have a different sixth sense. We have something else different and we really should use that to our advantage. You know, I really feel like my experience has taught me to um, you know, communicate different, be more personable with other individuals because I know it takes me a little bit longer or I have to ask more questions, but use that to your advantage and do not let having dyslexia or a learning disability or any disability really stop you because honestly, there's so many resources and opportunity out there and you just, you learn differently, but I think it's beautiful. I honestly believe it's a gift. And that is, I, I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode. But before I let you go, our listeners know that I always ask our guests this question to conclude it, our episodes. But what is a dream travel destination or international experience you'd like to have in the near future? So I'm kind of biased, but of course, Ghana, you know. <laughs> uh, of, co- of course, why did I even ask? I knew that, of course. Of course, Ghana. I think I just, I, I just, I'm falling in love with Ghana every day, you know. So just really just being in Ghana, eating mangoes and talking to people and dancing by the beach and feeling the hot sun. Like that is my future and hopefully eventually my permanent destination (laughs) you know i appreciate your honesty i would love to come with because i am also a huge fan of mangoes but is there any other ways our listeners can get in contact with you to learn more about your work specifically or anansi travels after this episode airs yeah again our ig page which is anansi underscore travels and our Mm -hmm. website www.anansitravels.com um we also have a facebook site Tweet a Twitter's page as well, too. Um, you can also email us. Our email is info at anansitravels.com. Thank you so much, Harriet. It has been a pleasure having you on. And thank you so much for being so open about your experiences traveling with disabilities. We want to make sure that our audience knows that the National Clearinghouse on Disability and Exchange is a project of the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of Education and Cultural Affairs, which is designed to increase participation in study abroad for those with disabilities. You can actually learn more information by clicking the link in our description. And I wanted to give one last shout out to all of you, and especially those of, of you who are listeners and have been so since our earliest episodes, as This July marks the official one year anniversary of the Eggleman podcast. Thank you all for reviewing, subscribing and listening. We all appreciate it. And most importantly, all of you. And last but not least, stay tuned for our next episode dropping August 2nd. Till next time.